The Conformance Cast is an educational series format podcast providing information on international standards, quality systems, conformity assessment, and measurement training. For more information on the topics covered here, visit a2lawpt.org for blog posts, free recorded webinars, and our entire catalog of instructor-led and e-learning courses. Welcome back to the Conformance Cast, a podcast by A2LA Workplace Training. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Hodges, and I'm back again with Rob Kanacki of A2LA. What's up, Rob? How are you? Hey. S- uh, still hanging in there? <laughs> yep, still, you know, uh, off in the work from home void, just uh, loving life, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I miss the precedented times. I miss when times were precedented, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, should I not, should I not date this podcast? Oh, no, (laughs) no. Look, we've been in, we've been in quarantine for like almost a year now. It's going to be very unambiguous that we recorded it sometime in the quarantine times. So. That's true. Yeah. uh, Everyone's, everyone's feeling that. uh, But the information in here is perpetual and evergreen and such, at least until they come out with a new version of the standards. So. Correct. That being said, we are talking about the top 10 deficiencies for ISO IEC 17025-2017. We are in episode three of series one. Last time we left off with deficiency number six, and we're on five now. So the fifth most cited deficiency for 17025-2017. And that is 6.6, purchasing uh, that's to do with externally provided products and services. And I am going to go ahead and assume why this is frequently cited. I'm going to assume, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but I'm going to assume that this is frequently cited because it is very hard to control what other people do outside of your lab. So that's part of it. But okay. I, I, I personally think why this gets cited often is... You have to select the appropriate providers of these services and document that selection process and what criteria you use. And then there's a big part of it that goes along with communicating uh, what you need, you know, what products and services you need and having enough detail to ensure that what you've requested is actually what you need and what you get. So, for for example, and I see this all the time in my area of calibration Uh, And it's with my calibration labs and it's with their customers. So a customer may come to me at Rob's calibration laboratory and and they say, Rob, do not steal copyright (laughs) Rob's calibration laboratory. I apologize if somebody already has a laboratory out there named Rob's calibration lab. They probably do, to be honest with you. (laughs) Rob's a pretty common name, I think third most in the U.S. So. If somebody comes to me as a cal provider and they say, Rob, calibrate this widget, and that can mean a lot of things, right? That can mean I could do a calibration that's uh, outside my scope of accreditation, and it just says, you know, hey, this thing met the specification, and I don't give you any data. I don't give you measurement uncertainty. And and that might be what you needed, and that might have been enough information to get what you actually need, or it might have just happened that you got lucky and you ask for something in a vague term, and you, you just happen to get what you need. But what I see happen a lot of times is somebody comes to a laboratory and they say, calibrate this, or if, if you're a test lab, they say, test this. 
So they take that and they run their standard Cal or their standard test, provide it back to the customer. The customer may or may not know if they really even got what they needed. They put it in a file and then they have an audit or something. And the auditor goes, what is, what is this? You know, you didn't get what you need. You asked for a calibration. You didn't get any data or measurement uncertainty. How do you know anything about the traceability? You know, it's, it's not an accredited calibration. And, and then there's an issue and it, and it really comes down to maybe they selected the right provider. Uh, maybe they got, you know, they did that appropriately, but they didn't communicate in that discussion back and forth of what they need enough information to ensure that they got what they needed uh, when they uh, went ahead and used that item in their in their laboratory. So that that is an area I see a lot of problems. It's just, you know, the classic radio right? you know, communication. You always say you could be better at communicating, right? Uh, whether it's in your organization or with your customers. So uh, that that's one of the reasons I think this ends up on the list. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, you had pointed out before, I think it was two episodes ago, but you had pointed out that uh, customers frequently don't know what tests they actually need done on their equipment, and they just trust the calibration lab to do the right thing and give them the thing back, and they carry on with their lives. So uh, I that, that does make sense that that also, like that sort of uh, like aspect of that relationship also comes into play here. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's important, Evan, too, I'd like to say is that it's not all just on you know, the, the customer, they should know what they need. I mean, yes, they should, right. In theory. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then the laboratory receiving that request for work there, there's, it's a two way street, right? You you really need to work together. And sometimes the tester Cal lab ends up, um, having to do a little bit of educating of their customer to really say, you know, okay, what are you using this for? What, what do you really need? And, And that takes time, right? That does take additional time and effort, but really that, that little, bit of additional time and effort is going to go a long way in ensuring that you have a happy customer, they get what they need. And that, you know, you don't get that call from a, from a hectic customer during their audit when they're going, Oh, can you, can you send me this report with that on it or a revised report? And, um, so I think you'll find, and and that's really what the standard is trying to get to, um, when we talk to section 6.6 is if we take a little extra time in that upfront communication, documenting what's really neat, everybody's on the same page you'll avoid um, some pitfalls later on down the line. That makes perfect sense. Let us scoot right along to number four. That is training procedures and records, 6.2.5. And this has to do with um, the procedures to keep records of all of the competence training monitoring of personnel right this is uh they have to not only document this and do training for their personnel but also like keep records of that uh that are appropriate yep correct so this isn't a a new requirement but it starts to touch on something this this version of the standard expanded on a little bit more was uh, you know competencies and and I'll, you know don't want to give a pull back the curtain too much but the next deficiency talks a little bit more about competencies <laughs> spoilers so, spoiler alert yeah, spoiler sorry sorry uh but 
this particular deficiency has to do more with the training program, right? And the procedure for how you're going to go about doing the training. So you've determined what your competencies are. Now you're going to set up a training program to ensure that you are, you know, are training the staff and uh, doing the appropriate activities to support their competency and ongoing competency uh, as they, you know, go in the organization. This is more the procedural, the documentation, uh, how we're going to do training, what type of training we're going to do, and then records that we did the training and how do we ensure the training is effective. So, I mean, I, Evan, I could give you training right now in 17025 and just we leave the podcast and you go out and you're, you know, in the world and, you know, how competent would you really be on the standard? Well, this podcast is a, an excellent example of that because, you know, I have uh, taken a course on 17025, but I've never had to apply it in my job. I don't I don't uh, work in in that field. So, of course, by this point, a year later, all of that has leaked out of my brain. And I'm I'm only I only know enough to be dangerous, so to speak. Um so, yeah, <laughs> perfect example. Yeah, yeah. So in the standard talks about, you know, so how are we going to go about that, that initial training confirmation of the competency and then and then monitoring of the competency? So, you know, if you've been working uh, with me for 10 years, you, you may have gone off the rails and just decided you're going to start doing stuff Evan's way because Evan knows best. And, you know, I can't just let you go off into the wild and do whatever you want. So there's that ongoing part of it that needs to be addressed in this training program as well. And, you know, are you doing proficiency testing checks, whatever you happen to be doing to ensure that ongoing competency all falls within this uh, particular section of the standard. And then of course there's that documentation thing. You've got to have document documentation of the training and if it was effective and how you're verifying that it was effective and all that stuff. And I'm sure that there's a challenge there as well, because some of this is ephemeral to a certain degree, like how how well has a person absorbed that information and are they applying it correctly? Yeah, that's true. And another thing that can be challenging if you're a, a, an organization that's new and looking to meet the standard and you have technicians that have been with your organization for you know years or decades, well, what records of training do you have from their initial training, right? You know, you probably don't have those. And you know, so you can grandfather people in, you know, just have an initial documentation that they've been with us for 20 years. You know, they've got 20 years of OJT, OJT experience. And, you know, here's some ways that I can, uh, you know, show that they've been trained and they're, you know, they're performing their job uh, appropriately. So, yeah, there are, there are things that are just can be a bit unique just for the documentation of training. All right. I think we're going to wrap up there for this episode. Thanks for being with us again, Rob. Lots of excellent information. Please do subscribe to the Conformance Cast from A2LA Workplace Training. It will ensure that you get notified of the next podcast episode in this series. It'll also help with our visibility so that other people in your industry can maybe see this and uh, uh, gain some valuable information. Thank you so much for being with us. We will see you again next time. Thank you for listening to The Conformance Cast by A2LA Workplace Training. 
A2LA Workplace Training provides high-quality training and consulting services for laboratories of all kinds throughout the world. Find us online at a2lawpt.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for A2LA Workplace Training.